Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Graham. Glad to have you here. Today, you can already feel a slightly different kind of feeling today. This is a Checkpoint Sunday, and this Checkpoint Sunday, we are striving hard to move you to where you need to be. And I don't know exactly where you need to be, but we're going to try and listen to God as best we can so that he can direct you forward. So today, we're, uh, we're, not, we're not a high entertainment church today. Today, we're very much going to put you into a place where you can receive from God. That's our focus. And today, we're going to give you uh, lots of scripture. That's what we're going to do. And I'm going to try and tell you the into one story in, in, in a scriptural kind of way to, to show you where we came from and what we're about. So today's Checkpoint, and Checkpoint Sunday, it's a, it's a Sunday that we mark as different, a Sunday where we choose to remember. We choose to remember what God has done in the distant ancient past. We choose to remember what God has done in my past. We choose to reevaluate where we are. For each one of us, we get to a place where we decide at some point, I, I need to keep going forward doing this, or I need to stop, or I see myself straying into a path that I don't really want to go to. Today is not a day for condemnation. It's a day for freedom. We're going to bring forth Jesus. We're going to tell you the truth about him. And we're going to give you the chance to reevaluate where you are. Are you really where you want to be? This is not about someone telling you that what you do is wrong. This is about you in connection with God, listening to his spirit, and receiving that direction. Are you where you want to be? We're going to remember, we're going to reevaluate, and we're going to give you a chance to refocus. Repentance is a beautiful thing. Um, so often in our, in our history, we've heard terms like repentance, and we hear them from somebody who was perhaps yelling, repent! Repent is not condemnation. Repent is the gateway to freedom. I believe that wholeheartedly. Once you can see what needs to change, repent means turn away from. If I'm doing something that consciously I know hurts myself, repentance means I'm going to turn away from that thing. We're going to remember, we're going to reevaluate, and we're going to refocus. And you're going to be able to have your connection, your connection with Jesus adjusted. Not because someone came in and forced you to do something, because you will choose. Whatever you do, you choose. The only things that are effective in life are those things that you choose, that you agree to, that you will participate in. So in our checkpoints, for um, most of this year, we've been doing um, words to live by. We've been focusing on words, um, strategies, patterns to, uh, to focus on truth. So every Sunday, we've done Tell Yourself the Truth, where we have tried to take scriptural passages, put them into a phrase that we can declare. We can say the truth about ourselves, and we can know the truth about ourselves so that hopefully we can live in the truth about ourselves. This is who God says you are. This is not what your test says you are. This is not the way you necessarily feel when you go to bed at night or when you get up in the morning. These are things that are true of you because God said them and he's telling you the truth, not at your worst, but he sees you at your best. And if he sees you at your best, we have to start agreeing with him at some point. The lying or the arguing with him doesn't serve us well. So, that's what we're doing. We're doing words to live by, and the words to live by today are all about into one 
DNA. So if you did get some of those papers, if you were one of those bold people who went back to color today, to draw today, I would encourage you to doodle and to doodle well. Again, after the service, if you have doodled something that you, that you think you're, that is good, please put your name on it. Leave it on the pew. We'll collect them, and we will, um, we will put them out in our weekly email so that other people can see this, because we believe in art. And if you're going to do it anyways, we just say that you should do it well. Okay, so please do that. We have framed the into one story um, with a phrase. And the phrase that we use to describe what it is that we're trying to do is called the road trip. We are on a road trip. And so we say on this road trip, in earnest pursuit of Christ, we are being brought together into one. It's part of the idea of our name. We have hope and we have freedom in the love of Jesus. Part of the hope comes in relation to the freedom, which comes in relationship to repentance, right? It, it's part of a package. There is hope that I can be forgiven, and once I'm forgiven, I can also find freedom. Those are parts of that. And so we pull this idea from the high priestly prayer. The high priestly prayer is a section in uh, the Gospel of John where Jesus is praying, and we get this long, ah, this long dialogue between Jesus and God the Father, where he is saying, this is what I long for. These are the things that are, are uppermost in my heart, Father. Please grant these. Because when Jesus was on earth, he submitted himself completely to the Father. So he didn't just say, I'll do what I want to do. He said, God, this is what I want. You are my Father. Lead me forward in this. And I believe that this is your will. So what we're looking at here is a section where Jesus is praying for something specific. Part of the ethos, the idea of into one, is to be an answer to the prayer that Jesus prayed. So when he prayed for something, we are striving to become the answer to that. So the, the verse that we have looked at, um, John 17, 23. He's in the midst of praying, and so we're just soundbiting him, 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 if you will. I and them, that's Jesus talking about us, and you, the Father, in me, that they may be, that's you, may be perfected into one. That the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. So our mission that we're taking from that is that the world needs to know that they are loved by God. They need to know and we are part of the delivery system for that. You need to know that you are loved by God. And in participating in those things, we are answering the prayer of Jesus. And as we understand the love that God has for us, it will cause us to grow into one. We will be being perfected into one. And so we focus very much on these ideas of relationships. Your relationships to each other, if you're in this room, are incredibly important. But your relationships to people who aren't in this room, incredibly important. We believe that it's very much what God wanted was that we would live in unity together. And as part of that relationship, we have a direct connection upstairs as well. We focus on God the Father. We focus on Jesus. We focus on the Holy Spirit. And in doing that, we live out the will of God in loving those around us, whether they agree with us or not. And so last week, we talked about persecution and what it was like. Um, some persecution ideas and, and the difficulty that we come up under there. And we have a, a growing sense in North America that we are being persecuted 
and we must fight for our rights. We must fight and hold on to these things that are important. And while, while I would say that it's certainly important to be aware and to be conscious, the sense that we would live in love would be an ongoing thing, that we would be defined consistently as being people of love regardless of what happens around us. And when I say that, I understand how difficult it is, how challenging that really is. So that's why what we try to do as a group, one of the phrases that we would use here frequently is a lifestyle choice. And we would say, eyes up. This is the way that we're going to go forward in life, eyes up, where we will choose to focus ourselves and those around us on those things that draw us towards God. It is not hard to complain. It is very, very easy to complain. And when we do that, we can quite often say, I'm being intellectually accurate. I'm using my discerning mind to to see that things are not right, that so-and-so is doing something wrong, and this policy in the world is not right. And we need an awareness of that absolutely. And yet we need to choose to live in a way consistently that focuses eyes up, and not just ours, but the people around us as well. And so when we're gathered together, the reality is that the love that we were talking about before steps in. First Peter tells us, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. If you have ever been the one who is defined as the multitude of sins, then you know what it's like to have someone who can love you. You know what it's like to have someone who can say, yes, I know exactly who you are. I know exactly what you're like. Yes, I love you. And to be able to share that in a group is a fantastic, fantastic gift. How we show that love matters because sometimes we can believe that showing the love of God means declaring things to people. They might not want to hear them. So maybe a little bit of, you know, the two fingers in the chest helps them to understand the love of God. John 1.14, this is one of my favorite passages. The word, Jesus became flesh, and he made his dwelling amongst us. And we have seen, this is John speaking. John, one of Jesus' close friends, one of the, the guys that was super tight with Jesus, who hung with him for years and years and was right at the end of his hand when miracles were happening. When right before John's eyes, he would see things transformed. This is the guy who's saying this. We have seen his glory, kind of like every day for years. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. And this is the part. This is the part. When Jesus said, this is what I really want you to grasp, he came from the Father full of grace and truth. And I don't think it's accidental that grace came before truth. Truth is absolutely essential. But grace was the delivery method that God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, thought that would be best. I want them to know the truth. I desperately want them to know the truth. I will do whatever it takes for them to know the truth, but they must know the truth with grace. We must be able to live in the same way, absolutely telling the truth with grace so that the truth doesn't become so pointed as to poke someone in the eye 
But the grace is there to make that truth more easily accepted. They knew that this wasn't going to be easy for us. Paul says, yeah, I get this. I used to be... (laughs) I used to be a Pharisee, and I was great at being a Pharisee. I know the laws, and I know how to keep the laws, and I know how to other people to help keep the law. But somehow, that's not enough to be grace and truth. So what are we going to do? Well, Paul wrote in one of his famous letters to the Romans, another one of my favorite verses. You might just notice today that there's a couple of things that I'm going to call my favorite verses. These are verses that have shaped me that I hope will shape you, and that they have become some of the DNA that actually is into one. Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. How? Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is why I like to encourage you to pray the same prayer I pray. God, help me to see as you see so that I can do as you say. Because if my mind is not transformed to the likeness of Christ and as long as I keep conforming myself to the pattern of this world, then doing whatever God says doesn't make any sense. And I think I'm crazy, and the people around me think I'm crazy, and we can't move past it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not just do what everybody else does, but be transformed. Let the Word of God come in and reshape you to do something inside of you, to connect with you, to enliven you, to bring you to life. And when you do that, you will be transformed and then you will know. You will be able to sense the will of God, the Spirit of God, as He pokes at you from the inside. You'll be able to resonate with that and you'll go, I think this is what I should do. And you will find that you are being guided. Is there anyone, honestly, who says, I don't want to know the will of God? We all kind of long for that. If I just knew what I was supposed to do, if I just knew who I was supposed to date, if I just knew what house I was supposed to buy, if I just knew the right car, if I knew the right thing to say, if I knew the right job to take, we always want this information as if God had only one option for you. Only that pair of shoes. But as you get in contact as you are not conforming to the world, but your mind is being transformed by the renewing of your mind, you are more able to sense the Spirit of God. And the more you listen and the more you obey, the easier it is to listen and the easier it is to obey. And the further, the farther you go, you'll hear the Spirit more frequently, more subtly. And you will find that your heart is not arguing like it used to argue. It will become what you actually want to do. It's not going against who you are. It's actually bringing you to exactly what you want to be. Our great difficulty is that we struggle with conforming to the pattern of the world. And the pattern of the world is to say, I will do what I want to do whenever I want to do it. 
The problem is what we have found over time, you don't have to be a Christian to come to this conclusion. You can see it all the time. Whenever I do exactly what I want to do, it takes me to exactly where I don't want to be. Might be a little tricky to hear that. Whenever I do exactly what it is that I want to do, I end up exactly where I don't want to be. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And Jesus said, as you do that, you will grow in likeness to me. The, the, the sense of Christ in you displays. Colossians tells us Christ in us is the hope of glory. It's the promise of something more to come. But it's the promise to our world of something more to come. And Jesus said in John 12, and when I, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And so that became one of our goals as well, that we will lift up Jesus, that we will lift up the name of Jesus. We're going to keep pointing at Jesus and saying, I know it doesn't seem to make sense to you right now because you're kind of conforming to the ways of the world, but once your mind is transformed, and I can tell you about eyes up, I can keep pointing you in this direction. It's Jesus. Jesus is your hope. Jesus is your future. Jesus is life. Jesus is healing. Jesus is peace. Not just he gives you those things, he is those things. And when you have those things, what you are experiencing is the presence of Jesus. The presence of the Spirit of Jesus living inside of you. Love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, perseverance, all these things. Those are evidences of the presence of the Holy Spirit within you. That Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Jesus. When you sense those things, that's what you're sensing. The increasing presence of Jesus in your life. And so that's why we keep pointing to him. Because we are convinced that he is hope. That he is life. And that when you're lost in a, in a path that doesn't take you where you need to go, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. As we say those things, there is no doubt that we will face that persecution that is around us. Because anytime you stand up against what the world is for, it's a challenge. Anytime you stand up against what Satan is for, you will be challenged. If you can live in mediocrity and not make any difference at all, Satan's your best friend. He doesn't have a problem with you at all. Keep doing what you're doing. As soon as you want to change, as soon as you want to make a new step, as soon as you want greater holiness and increased focus on righteousness, if, as soon as you want those things, you're going to face opposition. You're going to face discouragement. Because you are, Satan doesn't want you to become more like Jesus. He wants to hold you exactly where you are, in fear, in hopelessness, in despair. He wants to do whatever he can to hurt God. And since he can't hurt God directly, he hurts and attacks that which God loves. And you are that which God loves. And so we make a commitment. And we practice getting ready for this commitment by acknowledging that we are going to be called to live in a way that is unlike people around us. That means when we face opposition, we understand and anticipate that we will need to overcome. We will need to bear up under, and we will need to come through. 
This is the display of Christ. Those who believe that the, the Spirit of God working in your life means you don't suffer, you don't hurt, nothing goes wrong, you always have more than enough. That's not the Bible. That's not the teachings of Jesus. You will face opposition. You will face hardship. But we commit up front to overcome, to bear up under, and to come through. And if you can get that into your mind, then you are ready to go when those things happen. In doing that, Matthew 5 says, he encourages, Matthew encourages us to let your light shine before men, before people, before men and women and boys and girls. Let your light shine that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This is part of our goal, that people would be able to see us and in us come to a greater understanding of who God the Father is. And so we, we, we join with Paul when he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, this one's scary. And I'll tell you, it was a lot scarier for me than it is scary for you now because I've already had to work through this. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's the thing that we have to be willing to say with our life. It's one thing just to point to Jesus and say, Jesus is perfect. Go to Jesus. But to be his display on earth, to let our light shine, we have to be able and willing to say to somebody else, follow me as I follow Christ. As you're getting started, follow me. I've, to be here today, I already had to say that to you. I had to make that decision a long time ago. And at no point did that move me from a state of no humanity that... Um, not having an awareness of what it is to struggle. Part of following me as I follow Christ is to invite you in to say, yes, my name is Graham and I struggle with all kinds of things. I'm not perfect. I'm not the best pastor in the world. I don't know as much as other people know. I don't pray as well as other people. I don't. And yet follow me as I follow Christ. Come with me. Come on this journey. Join the road trip. Together, let's follow Christ and let's invite someone to come. But until you're willing to take that commitment for yourself to say, of course I'm not perfect. Watch me as I live imperfectly. Watch me as I repent. Watch me as I ask for forgiveness. Watch me as I mess up and then get back up. Watch me as I overcome. Watch me as I bear up under. Watch me as I come through. Join with me. That's what I'm encouraging you to do, to stand up and to say, you're not just people who sit in the pew. This division of clergy and laity, it's false. And what we need to do is not get rid of the clergy. What we need to do is get rid of the laity. We need more clergy. And that doesn't mean you have to take an official position or get your, your full schooling or whatever. You just need to realize that you're an ambassador for Jesus wherever you go. Be brave. Follow me. As I follow Christ, that's part of the story of into one. And that story is defined by one of those key passages Jesus said at the end of the gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. <coughs> and as he's getting ready to leave, he's talking to his disciples at the end. He says, therefore, go. Therefore means because of all this other stuff that I just did, all this other stuff I just said, because of that, Go and make disciples of all nations. And really the translation would be, as you are going, 
Not like someday you decide and someday you don't, but as you go, wherever you go, whatever you do, because we're on mission everywhere, everyone, all the time, as you are going, make disciples of all nations and then baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This drives us into what we are trying to do. Show the love of God, display the love of God, speak the love of God, and then call people on this journey so that they might be discipled that they might be turned into followers of Jesus. And you don't finish that, okay? So once you become a follower, you just keep following. You don't finish following class. We all keep following. We're all on this road trip together. We don't come to an end of it. But we do what we were called to do. We were called to make disciples of everyone, everywhere. That's why as a, as a denomination, we have committed to re- the least reached people groups of this world. That's why this year we committed to being um, instrumental in, in reaching out to the Fulani, the, the Yazidis. Do you remember that? Do you remember those folks? We've got them posted up on our map at the back. Where we made a commitment to follow with those groups, with the Fulani, to say these are least reached people groups in our world. We will commit to them. We will go where no one else goes. But as you do this, as you know, things go against you, it becomes expensive, and it becomes draining. And so we are reminded, if you ever get one of our church business cards or my business card, you'll be reminded of one of our key thoughts from the very beginning. It comes from Galatians 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So we've said for years, don't give up. The reason you have to remind people of this is because there's all kinds of reasons to give up. There's all kinds of arguments for giving up. It makes sense to give up. It seems like that would be the better thing. Just forget it. This is too hard. It's too expensive. It takes too long. I've been hurt too many times. Don't give up. Don't give up for at just the right time, at the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we don't give up. To do that, to keep going, you have to be able to do with the truth and the lies in your life. And that's why we focus so heavily on the words, um, words to live by and on tell yourself the truth. You must learn to control what happens in your mind. And so that's why we jump to 2 Corinthians 10, where Paul is teaching there. He said, if you're going to do this, if you're going to engage on the deep level, then you're going to have to um, fight. You're going to be at war. And here's how we do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Those are thoughts of giving up. Those are thoughts of despair. Those are thoughts of hopelessness. Those are thoughts of lust. Those are thoughts of anger, theft, the list goes on. It just goes, there's so many thoughts that want to come in and we choose to demolish those arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God because we are committed to being the answer to the prayer of Jesus that everyone would know of God and that, he, that they would know that he loves them. That's our mission. 
So we have to be about battling those things and we battle them by taking every thought that comes in. We take it captive. As it comes in, we say, no, that's not of Christ. I need to put you in a prison cell and hold you there and then I need to preach to you, thought. I need to tell you the truth, thought. I don't need to pretend that you're not there because pretending that it's not there lets it grow. You don't have to argue with the thought. You take the thought and you intentionally tell it the truth and at the same time you tell yourself the truth. It has no place. And you go down that list of telling yourself the truth because you don't have to argue with that thought specifically. It just needs to be informed of the truth. And as you inform it, you inform yourself. And if it doesn't work well in your head, then take that first step of saying those things out loud. Let your mouth say them. Let your ears hear your voice declare the truth. Take those thoughts captive. Remove that sense of hopelessness from your life by trusting in the truth that is the word of God. Not the Bible. The word of God is Jesus. That's where we're going. That's been our heartbeat. That's our DNA. If you can get on board with that, then we would love to have you be on board with us to join our family, to be part of it. And if you haven't had a chance to do something physical, we've got our Into One Family tree at the back. If this is where you are and you want to be in, we've got stamps at the back. You take your thumb, you put it in the ink, and you become a leaf on the tree. I'm in. I'm part of this. I want that to be part of my life. I want what's happening here. I want to be making this better. I want to grow into one together. I want to bring this to life and fan it to flame. It's not that you want to attend. Attendance is not our goal. Transformation is the goal. That you would become an active, living, vital part of this, con this congregation, this community of faith that is transforming Whitchurch Stouffville. It has begun, but we are not complete. And I'll tell you, we had an opportunity just this week for Moonlight Madness. We were set up outside. We're the only church in the downtown section. We're the only church on Main Street that has the chance to be a face and a voice to display. And when, when these events come, as they come almost every other month, we need people to stand up to be there to be faces that show the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, to proclaim the truth with grace. We need you to display those things so that people will understand that we are making the community better. And this week we had that chance and we had some great volunteers who come, who came and they gave their time. <laughs> For hours they worked as we gave out 300 barbecued pieces of corn. 300. Do you know how long it takes to cook 300 pieces of corn? It takes a long time. Do you know how many leaves had to be pulled off? Do you know how much butter had to be buttered? We had to melt 15 pounds of butter to try and get that corn out there. And there were some folks there that they, they came and they worked tirelessly for hours, giving of themselves generously. And it was absolutely beautiful to watch. And I got some pictures that came back from the official photographer, and I'm going to put some of those out in our next uh, update as well. But I got to give some special, special mention. Because we had two people who I would not have put at the top of my list as they're going to be integral in this project. Two people who I wouldn't have thought they're going to be the ones that are going to commit to this for hours on end. 
I got to give special, special props to Emma and Aiden. If you need a drink, they can help you. They helped hundreds of people. And I kind of thought I was joking at the beginning saying, you're going to stay for the time and do this. And they did the entire time. They were there at their table making sure that everyone who wanted a drink got a drink. It was very impressive. Thank you. And, and, and to go beyond that, I'd have to give credit to the entire Walmsley family who made corn, who made the, 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 the stuff, hours they gave. I, I tried to tell people at the beginning, you don't have to come for the whole time. They came for the whole time. They worked hard the entire time. It was beautiful. It was a gift that was given to our community in your name. It was a gift that was given to Jesus in your name. There were other people who worked. I don't want to try and demean that, but there was honorable mention there. As we do this, as we um, talk about what it is that we long to be, that we long to become, that we long to enflesh, this brings us back to that place that we come to every checkpoint service where we say, again, I'm going to make the choice to remember, to reevaluate, to refocus. And in there, there's also a repent. As, as the Spirit of God leads you to repentance, you repent. Turn away from it. Confess it. Repent of it. Ask for forgiveness. And then go forward. Because we go towards communion. And communion is the point where we choose regularly to say, that's what I'm for. That's what I'm into. I'm into following Jesus. And if that's not you, that's okay. It's not a guilt thing. You, you can be on the journey. You can be on that path. You don't have to commit to that today. But if that's where you are, and if it's your desire today to say, yes, I want to commit my life, my heart, my will to Jesus again, whether you're part of this church, whether you're visiting, it doesn't matter. We're going to have communion where we focus again on saying, I remember what you did, Jesus. I choose to accept that and claim that for myself again. I will submit to you again. I will commit to loving those people around me again, even if they don't deserve it again. That's what we try to say when we take the symbol of communion. We submit ourselves to the lordship of Christ. That means he's the king. He's in charge. What he says matters. What I say is of less importance. And so we'll jump back to what Paul would say. And you know this passage, you've heard it. So try to hear it and listen to what he's saying as you remember what this is about. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this, new, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We will proclaim that death 
as we continue to lift Jesus up, because as we do that, we believe that he will continue to draw people to himself. And as he draws them to himself, he provides hope. He provides forgiveness. He provides that power to live in a world that is discouraging. We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, but we will also proclaim the Lord's resurrection. He did not just die. The story goes on from there. And there is celebration because the thought now, the belief is that death is not the end. Death is not something that we need to fear. The relationship and the connection to Jesus Christ is for this world today, right this second. But it's also for heaven. It's not just a when you die, there will be something that happens. It's a for now and a for then. We go for the whole package. So our practice here will be, um, take some time. Ask the Spirit of God to convict you, lead you to repentance. As you are moved in that kind of direction, once you feel like you are ready, um, we'll come to the back and you can take one of the pieces of flat bread and you can take one of the um, cups and you can, you know what, today let's bring them all back to your seat and today we'll eat together, okay? Sometimes we, we eat back there. Today bring them back to your seat when we're all gathered, we will eat together, okay? So go to the back, collect your stuff, come back to your seat, but take the time to connect with your God before you just go and take it out of routine. If you're a kid here, then uh, moms and dads, you, you decide where your kids are in this. There's, there's no pressure to participate. We just ask that you would make sure that they understand what it is that they're doing because um, that's an important, that's a family kind of thing as well. So we'd welcome you to do that. As we get ready to do that, let me just uh, pray for you and ask that you would speak to the Spirit and He would speak to you at the same time. Kind Father, we thank you for what you have done through Jesus. We thank you for a plan that was put in place to save me, even though you know what I'm like, even though you know how I fail, even though you know how I keep doing dumb things, you are willing to forgive me. You are faithful and you are just and you are willing to forgive me of my sin. Thank you. For my friends that are here today, God, I pray that you would give them this assurance as well, that you will listen. As they repent, you will forgive. And that you will continue to work and draw on their hearts. Holy Spirit, you are free to move right now in whatever way you see fit. We pray that you would bring conviction to those who require it. That you would guide us all in a place of repentance. That we might be able to leave today having remembered, having reevaluated, refocusing our life and being able to leave with the assurance that we are forgiven. And that there is nothing that stands between me and God or between me and somebody else. As far as it's up to me, may I live at peace with all people. Spirit, speak to your people now, we pray in Jesus' name. According to his riches in Christ Jesus, and now unto God and our Father be glory and glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Maybe seated. Ah, it's better when we're here. It's better when you're here. It's better when we're together. And I'm convinced that the more we connect, the better it gets, and the better the job we do of living out, being the answer to the prayer that Jesus prayed. Make them 
one Father as we are one. And as you go, I want to send you out on mission again, reminding you that we are Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and mission-focused, and our mission is for everyone, everywhere, all the time. Go be the church wherever you go.